Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota, Gulf Coast Business Supply, and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Hope you're having a great day, uh, and welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates the men and women who are making coastal Mississippi such an amazing place to live, work, and play. And, uh, you know, welcome to Coast View. We, we really appreciate you listening. <clears throat> hey, I went to the uh, chamber annual meeting at the Beau Rivage uh, yesterday. It was terrific. I ha- it was so fun to get out and see people again. There were 500 people there. And uh, what was really kind of kind of warm my heart was to see so many old friends. Uh, Roland Weeks was there, and we got a chance to visit. And so many friends. Uh, you know, the coast of Mississippi. There's a lot of great leaders in coastal Mississippi, and something like an annual chamber event brings them out. So many young leaders emerging. I had the opportunity to meet, I think, three or four people that I've interviewed on this show that I've never actually seen in person. They walked up and said, hey, I'm such and such, and we got a chance to visit and got a lot of positive feedback about Coast View and what we're doing with this show. I'm I'm thrilled by that because we're trying to educate, we're trying to keep the spotlight on people who are really making a difference. And we're, and we're trying to keep it a, a very, very positive show. we got a great show today. Um, Dr. Nicholas Conger is going to be joining us. And then in the second half, we'll have Jeff Duncan. So without any further ado, let's move over to my friend, Dr. Nicholas Conger. He's an infectious disease internist at Memorial. And uh, he's been on the show countless times. He's been my partner in crime through this whole pandemic. And uh, it's good to catch up with you again, Nick. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. It's good to it's good to be back. So well, there's a lot to talk about. I mean, where are we with the vaccine? And you know, some people have concerns. I want to remind people why they should not be as concerned as maybe they are. You know, some people are still reluctant to get the vaccine. We should talk about why they should get it. Um, I'm curious though. How you know now that things are starting to settle down a bit? How's how's life in your world these days? Well, certainly we saw a massive difference post-vaccination. And I think on your show last time, I was shouting from the rooftops that these vaccines work better than they are tout- telling you, better than they're touting. And, um, you know, I was advocating for, uh, you know, a campaign of get vaccinated, lose the mask, because I felt like the vaccines are that good. And I still feel that way. And so we saw the numbers drop off like a rock. And that shows you that the vaccine had something to do with it. There was a natural decline in the number of cases, but that natural decline went straight down. And that shows you the vaccine had a big part of that. We went from 35 people in the hospital with COVID to one, one for several weeks. Now we got four or five. And the numbers may be slightly bouncing up because, uh, you know, people are moving around and more freedom of movement. And there's a lot of people who are choosing not to be vaccinated. But I'm telling you, there is nothing we have. There's no medication. There's no mask. There's nothing that is effective as vaccination for this. Pretty amazing. So, okay, so there are three major vaccinations right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've heard we've heard a lot of skepticism about the J and J. So, kind of give us the latest on that on that particular one. Well, you know, they did a pause and they had those cases that seemed to be related to the vaccination. And it looks like if the vaccine doesn't decause those events, it, the rate is about one in one million to one in two million. So, a rare event. But but you know, it is concerned because some of them resulted in death. And so. Now, the risk of dying from COVID, every, every age group is probably, you know, more than one in a million. And so I think if you're just playing pure mathematics, you're more likely to die of COVID than you are from that vaccine. 
And I think that's still a very effective vaccine, especially for people uh, who aren't necessarily in that risk group. You know, it was almost all in, in younger women of reproductive age. That age group tends to have higher rates of blood clots, especially if they smoke and especially if they're on uh, oral contraceptives, for, as a matter of fact. And so that age group is particularly at risk for blood clots. But this was an unusual pattern of blood clots. And so I still think it's safer to get the vaccine than it is to get COVID, even with that vaccine. That said, if that vaccine scares you, there's nothing like that, it looks like, with the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines. Uh, it's a two-shot series, uh, but there's no reason not to get those vaccines if you don't want the one-shot Johnson & Johnson. So, you know, I still see people having this conversation on social media about the vaccines in general. So let's remind people the technology that was used because people say, well, I'm not going to have that poison injected into my system. Who knows what's going to happen? But the technology used was really revolutionary, this RNA technology. And the speed to which we got there, you and I have discussed this before, doesn't mean that in any way they compromise the safety. So let's let's talk a little bit about that. Right. So, so one of the first things people will say to me is, well, we don't have long-term safety data with that vaccine, which is technically true. They, they weren't studied for years and years and years, but um, we don't really see long-term effects of, of any vaccine. You know, if you're going to have a reaction or effect of the vaccine, it's going to be in the short term while your body's making the immune response to it. So it's pretty rare to, to find something five years later from a vaccine. And so I don't really think a long-term uh, issue is a cause. Uh, there's a cohort of people who had these vaccines three to four months before they were approved for emergency use for the rest of the population. And as far as I know, those groups are doing just fine. Um, and so, you know, these vaccines, you know, so the Johnson Johnson vaccine, that's actually technology they developed for their Ebola vaccine. That's been tested for three to four years now in Africa. And they're not seeing major problems with it. All they did was change the DNA within their vaccine. So that's a DNA vaccine. Whereas the other messenger RNAs, I know people get hung up on that, but any vaccine you give to somebody, you're going to give them part of a virus or part of a bacterium or something that creates an immune response. The end result of all of that is going to eventually become a messenger RNA that's read inside the cell that builds a protein. My antibodies are just proteins. The final common pathway of building a protein is with a strand of messenger RNA. All these vaccines did was just skip all those intermediate steps and just go straight to teaching your cells, giving your cells the messenger RNA. And that's it. And so it's, it's, it's really a really a streamlined, purified way. They're not injecting pieces of viruses, particles, et cetera. It's, it's, a, it's actually much more pure than other vaccines in the past. And I'm excited because I think this can be used to treat uh, many different infections. Yeah, you know, one of the things, in fact, I'm going to have a conversation about this, uh, the trends that have taken place. You know, we've talked about trends before. The the trends in healthcare, where healthcare is going to go over the next 10 years, technologically, is going to be unbelievable. I mean, you know, I read this morning about, you know, having handheld devices to be able to take vitals and maybe to do a body scan and be able to do, you know, some preliminary diagnosis. Where technology is headed, and it just in general is going to be unbelievable, but it just in terms of pharmaceuticals is going to be unbelievable. I mean, the next 10 years, it's going to, there's going to be cures for all kinds of stuff, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, 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 um, you know, the, the gene-based technology is going to, like I say, accelerate things. You know, let me give you another quick example. It's a, I try to use this example. It's like, you remember those old cooking shows where someone would teach you how to cook something and they would have all these ingredients and they would do, you know, different things and different things. But in the end, they would say, well, I prepared one ahead of time, and here's one, and they would pull a, a finished product out of the oven. 
that's what these messenger RNA, these DNA vaccines are like. It's like you just get to pull the meal out of the oven. Your body doesn't have to go through the cooking process and, and assembling it and processing the other things that are injected into your arm. It's just the finished product goes right into your arm. Wow. So, so interesting. So it's, it's, we're lucky that they had that kind of technology. And of course, now we're talking about maybe giving away the intellectual capital related to those vaccines. And, you know, I don't know if that's politics or messaging. And I, I, I don't know, it's going to be because we want to encourage companies in the future to, to do innovation. And, right. um, you know, there's a big debate about whether even other countries could even set up the manufacturing capabilities to be able to do this. And, right. you well, know, that's another issue. You know, drug companies get a hard time, right? They're often called, you know, the evil drug companies that are only in it for profit. Well, the quote unquote evil drug companies, they led the charge and made these vaccines and they made them excessively, exceedingly fast and, and they work phenomenally well. Um, I think they're, I saw something that said they're profiting like 25 to 50 cents a shot. And they need that money to keep to pay their employees and to do more research. And so, um, goodness, if they're gonna if they're gonna cut down on millions of deaths in the world to make a, a quarter for every shot, I, I don't begrudge them that. You know, that that's they they're the ones that stepped up and made this vaccine. It wasn't a federal government. You know, it wasn't a government. The, it, my understanding that the Chinese and the Russian vaccines don't really seem to work that well. You know, so kudos to our, our at least our our big drug companies for stepping up for this one. Let me let me talk to you about the dynamics that I felt going to this chamber meeting that I mentioned, where there were 500 people present. Um, so when you go into the Beau Rivage, they require you to wear masks, and most people kept their masks on until they got to their table. But people were torn because it, really, for a lot of people, this is the first time they were in a sort of a crowded area. You know, the tables were fairly spaced out, but still people were congregating, and that's just kind of the nature of what happens when you go to a big chamber meeting like that. Some people were fist pumping. Some people were shaking hands. Uh, at one point, I actually asked uh, Chavis Wetman from, from People's Bank. I said, Chavis, I wonder how many people here are vaccinated? And we kind of, you know, toyed with the numbers for a second. Um, I thought, you know, when you think about the who's in the room, you know, leaders in the community, et cetera, probably the higher rate of vaccination. That, that was my guess. 70%, 50 to 70% probably. Um, when we come back, I want to talk more about what should we do in that situation, man? Because look, if if I'm shaking hands with someone who didn't get the vaccine, who manages to shake hands with someone who's got COVID, and then I turn and shake hands with the next person over who wasn't vaccinated either, how does that work? Let's talk about, you know, to what extent should our behaviors be impacted if we're vaccinated in groups like that when we don't know what other people have done in terms of the vaccination? Interesting question. And I think people are going to encounter that more. A lot of people just ignore the reality and they're getting back to normal. But I want to make sure I understand what my responsibility should be. When we come back, we'll talk to we'll continue our conversation with Dr. Nicholas Conger. Coast View on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I-10 Exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. Look, if I were giving out awards, for community service, for 
helping the community. If I were going to have a Coast View gold medal award, kind of like a Pulitzer gold medal, I would give one to Dr. Nicholas Conger because what he has done, not only in his profession, to contribute toward, I don't know, the hospital, the community's awareness, that means professional uh, contributions to specific patients is a bit really important. But what's really been great about what he's done is he has stayed focused on communicating with the general public about what they need to know about COVID, what they need to worry about, what they don't need to worry about, helping ease fears and helping to educate people on how to make their family safe. He's been a terrific partner, and not just to Coast View, but other media here on coast of Mississippi. I appreciate the role that you've played, Nick. So, so, so let's go back. Let's go back to where we were at the beginning. <clears throat> I mean, at the end of that last segment. So I'm at a I'm at a chamber meeting with 500 people. I go into the Beauvoir, have my mask on. I'm fist pumping people first, right off the bat. Should it, should I worry about that? Should I shake their hands if they want to shake hands? Okay, so um, I'm going to just talk to you about what I think are the truths about this virus based on on the science. And so I don't think contact is a big way to transmit this virus. And I think. I think the CDC has done people a disservice a little bit and and pumping that up. Washing your hands frequently is a great idea. Using hand gel is a great idea. But if but um, if someone has a little bit of virus on their hands, they have to have enough virus on their hand to go to your hand, to go to the next hand, and then they would have to get that virus onto their mucous membranes, and it would have to be enough to cause infection. That's not the way this is spread. In your example earlier, you talked about people sitting around a table taking their mask off and chatting. That's how the virus is spread. It's spread by respiratory contact. Um, as far as the safety of vaccine, if you will let me go on for a minute on that, you know, we talked about these vaccines, 95% effective. That's phenomenal. Okay. Very few vaccines in our history are that good. And if you are immune because of the vaccine, you are immune. And I think this is where a lot of confusing guidance comes from. It doesn't matter if you're with people who have COVID or not. It doesn't matter if you're around people who have masks on or not. You're immune. And I really, really wish that message was pushed. And that's a message I want to push to you that if you get vaccinated here in the 95% in which it works, you're immune. Um, and so um, so I shake, I shake patients' hands if they offer me their hands. And I say to them, I'm shaking your hand because I'm vaccinated. And of course, I wash my hands between patients. Right. And so I think that message needs to get out. Mm. And I think more people would be vaccinated if they heard that message loud and clear. And that's what the science says. You are not at risk to pick up this virus if you're vaccinated and you're really not a transmitter if you're vaccinated well so it's interesting so what what happened is i sort of mingled around the crowd you Mm -hmm. know i mean so many acquaintances in the room and so much you know first kind of big public meeting um what i found was that oftentimes if we would have the mask on this is prior to actually getting to the table we i would say you know i've been vaccinated you bet yeah we just take our mask off and go on and have a normal conversation but if i wasn't sure I, I didn't want to, for the other person to feel uncomfortable, but in a way, if you're, if you're the one who has not been vaccinated, you're the one who probably ought to wear a mask in those close quarters. Um, and if you've been vaccinated, you should probably worry less about it. Absolutely. And I, you know, I, I think that's where we're headed. I, I feel like, you know, around 50 to 60% of our adult population has been vaccinated. That's pretty good. The numbers are going down rapidly. So it tells you about 40% of the population probably doesn't want to get vaccinated, but they have the opportunity to. Yeah. And this is where I, I'm a big proponent of we've got to move on. People have had a choice. You can be vaccinated and they work phenomenally well. And I don't think that our national media is in a good enough job of telling people that if you choose not to be vaccinated, that's your choice. Um, our hospitals aren't overwhelmed. Our ICUs aren't full. 
every unvaccinated person could catch it. And if you're particularly at risk to die from it and you're choosing not to be vaccinated, well, again, that's your choice. I think at some point we've got to move on and see there's going to be a low level spread. And we're seeing five or six cases now in the hospital and they're all unvaccinated. And so unvaccinated people are choosing to keep themselves at risk. Um, and, and, and we just got to move on. And as long as it's low levels and not overwhelming the healthcare system, I think people are making their own choice. Okay. Um, and one, one, other, one last point is, is it a real concern that unvaccinated people could be a receptor for mutation possibly? So, you know, and there's two sides to that too. So um, if a virus spreads quickly, then theoretically, every time a virus replicates, a mutation can occur. And so that's the side that you're hearing. Well, we have to shut it down because it, it could make a mutation. But there's a flip side to that. When if a virus is being shut out, if it's being closed out, if it's being squeezed out because of public health measures and vaccination, that also is a stimulus to 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 uh, have mutations occur. And so mutations often arise when when a pathogen is uh, is about to be extinct. And that's what drives it to mutate. And so I don't think that just because there's some low-level ongoing replication, that's necessarily means, oh, any, any mutation that comes out of that, um, that that's, it's because there were some unvaccinated people. Yeah. You know? So, it's, I mean, but again, theoretical risk, those, those, almost every vaccine studied against the mutations that are, that are widespread, when they really look at it, it may not be 95% effective, but it's pretty darn effective. So, so Nick, you and I have talked about this in the past, but the the COVID this is a very dynamic uh, disease, a very dynamic virus that was affecting people in different kinds of ways. It's almost like it was affecting people at their point of weakness. And you, you've talked to me about that. Well, I haven't talked about this on the air, but you and I chatted a little bit about it off the air. But one of the, you know, I had the low oxygen. I had uh, uh, I had moderate symptoms other than the low oxygen when I had COVID back in October, but I did have an irregular heartbeat and it lingered for about a month and a half after I had COVID, but eventually it started to settle down. In my case, it was premature atrial contractions, PACs. Okay. They kind of went away. And then in March I get the vaccine and they came back like with a vengeance actually. And uh, when, uh, you know, I have a very good doctor, Dr. Matakovarian Biloxi, we've done all the tests, EKGs, We've done echogram to make sure that the valves were okay. We've done 24-hour halter exam. All that, all that came back wonderfully, except for PACs. It showed PACs. But, um, but you're not surprised by that. You're not surprised that, that if that was how I was being impacted by COVID, and that was a symptom that I was having, that when I had the vaccine, that it would bring, replicate basically those same kind of uh, symptoms. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah, yeah, I've heard people with similar stories. So whether the vaccine, whether the initial infection was primarily respiratory symptoms, headaches, cardiac, as, as you're describing, um, you know, the, the virus, it, it spreads in the body so much. And when your body makes the immune system is really when you start getting even more symptoms because there's inflammation going on. And so as your body's trying to clean up all that virus, you know, it, it sounds like you had some cardiac issues. So when you get a vaccine, it's going to stimulate your immune system. And so it's not surprising that some of those exact same symptoms come back. So I've heard those stories for many people who, who had fairly moderate to severe COVID infections, especially with the two-shot vaccines, when they get a vaccination, they have kind of a mild recrudescence of their symptoms. And then with the second shot, even more severe. And so, you know, we talked about how these vaccines aren't necessarily unsafe because they were pushed out quickly, but they may not have done 
all the studies necessary to know the exact correct timing of them. And I, again, there's more and more data that shows once you've had COVID and gotten over it, you really have really good natural immunity, probably for even nine months, for sure six months. So they're recommending waiting three months, but maybe nine months is the right time to wait after infection. And maybe that will minimize those types of symptoms. Uh, but it's not surprising. Anytime you remind your immune system on how to fight something, you're going to have a little bit of low-level inflammation in your body, which is why most vaccines, patients kind of feel a little cruddy and they, they take some Tylenol or ibuprofen afterwards. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've really taken care of myself over 40 years. And, uh, but it's a little disconcerting, man, when you feel kablonk, kablonk, kablonk. I mean, it's like right. that. That's de- of course, as, as I mentioned to you, when you lay in bed at night, that's when you're most aware of it. And uh, you have this little pause after that extra heartbeat. And it's scary. I mean, it's scary. Right. Now, that, now that I understand it better, people live with PACs all the time. Uh, and I know there's no underlying issue that, you know, sort of the anxiety behind it is, is settled down. And I understand it. You know, knowledge is empowering. But, it, but it's, you know, it's uh, just one more little odd thing that COVID created. That's right. You know, again, and so it's things like that when people say, I'm not really at risk. Should I really get the vaccine? And I sound like I've been a vaccine salesman on your show today. But when you have a virus and, and very few effective treatments, the vaccine is the best thing. But when they say, should I get this vaccine or or should I uh, or should I just take my chances with the virus? You know, we just don't know everything the virus does. And so I tend to say, you know, seeing what I've seen with people and patients in the hospital, I'm, I'm willing to take my chances with these vaccines, which I think are very safe uh, than with the virus. Yeah, you and I have talked about this in the past, but man, you have seen some heartbreaking examples of what COVID can do, and you know you're you've urged people to consider that you're way better off with the vaccine than you are getting COVID, especially if you're a vulnerable person. And when you look at the numbers, by the way, Nick, if you look at the numbers, the vulnerable communities in Mississippi, as a general rule, have done a really good job of getting the vaccine, haven't they? That's right. You know, I heard that our numbers are kind of lower than other states, and and that may be because certain segments of the population may have some, some uh, you know, vaccine hesitancy. But, I, you know, I hope we can break through that, you know. But just, you know, hey, real quick, let me just kind of talk about some of the things I think we've learned. You know, I want to remind people that our children are about to, to end the school year. There's people in uh, some states that they have not gone to school for a year, okay? I think the jury is out on that. We did not see, we hardly had any pediatric admissions to our hospital. Uh, children going to school did not drive this infection. It's proven. The schools across the South, Texas, Tennessee, Florida, Mississippi, we have proven to the nation, you you can safely go to in-person school, you know? Uh, the, the idea of catching it outdoors, I think the door is shut on that. I think masks outside, especially if you're vaccinated. But there's clear science on this. We need to really focus on people at risk. And that's people who are obese, diabetes, cardiac disease, and the elderly. If we yeah. keep focusing the vaccine on those folks, and like I said, we're going to have low-level infection in in a more healthy population, and we're going to get used to a, a new norm. Dr. Nicholas Conger, Conger the infectious disease uh, internist from Memorial and great friend of mine of the show. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you in a month or so and just check in with you see how things are going. That sounds great. Thanks for having me again. Thanks, buddy. I'll see you. Have a great day. When we come back, Jeff Duncan. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.